Jazz Notes podcast. It is Tuesday, September 26th. This is our last Jazz Notes before the official start of the Jazz calendar. They have Media Day coming up on Monday. Uh, they have their first preseason game a week from Sunday. A week from Thursday is the first NBA preseason game. You're going to have Dallas taking on Minnesota in Abu Dhabi. So we are uh, we are here. The NBA season is officially arriving we are getting down to the last minute for any offseason questions you have. As always, you can find me on Twitter, Ben Anderson, at Ben's Hoops. Find Chandler Holt on Twitter at Chandler Holt. KSL, you can call it X, you can call it Twitter, you can call it Instagram, you can call it whatever you want, just don't call it late for dinner. Uh, but yeah, call us or tweet at us or whatever you want to do. Uh, always like to have your questions. I send out a prompt every day when we're going to record this, Chandler, and you can respond with your questions. And if we don't get questions, we just won't, we won't answer them. We'll see what happens this week. Less than two weeks from the NBA season, I'm super excited for yeah. jazz basketball, NBA basketball. Honestly, even for the preseason, I'm excited to see the game in Abu Dhabi and see the Jazz take on the Clippers in Hawaii. That's less than two weeks away. How do you feel about that game? Uh, I wish the uh, player participation policy applied. I, you know, I, I mean, I imagine we'll see Kawhi and Paul George. I would imagine they're going to play in the preseason and in Hawaii, but maybe not. We just never know with the with the Clippers now, so I'm excited. I'm I'm very excited to see the rookies play, but there is some actual news that has come out. That's how you know it's close to the NBA season. On Monday, the Jazz revealed uh, their new jersey. It's the throwback jersey. They actually unveiled it last year, but we kind of got the first look at it with the shorts. We had never seen the shorts before and all the trim. Uh, they unveil unveiled the jersey patch last week, and we also got to see the Jazz 50th anniversary court. That logo had actually been leaked by Ryan Smith, of all people. He was showing off the basketball that had all the different Jazz logos, and then it had the 50th anniversary logo, so you could see that there. But I didn't know they were doing a court with that old-school Jazz purple color. It's not the mountain color. It's not the color they had uh, on the jerseys when they moved to Utah. That is the true New Orleans Jazz purple, and I think it's going to look really cool. I really like it. I saw some people who weren't a fan of it, and I think that is just a great like reiteration of an old jersey. I really like the purple. I really like the court, and I'm excited to see him wear it. Uh, if you don't, you know, yeah, I mean, every Jazz fan likes purple. That was the whole argument that you rebranded to purple and you had a black and a white and a yellow jersey. I like the black and the white and the yellow or spotlight or whatever they call it, but yeah, purple is a part of the Jazz identity. Sounds like it's going to be more of a, a piece of their identity. They have not announced their official city edition jersey, but like. The throwback, it's already been released. We've all seen it. I haven't seen the shorts yet other than a couple of the leaks that have popped out. So um, I actually don't like the city jersey this year that much, but I love the throwback. And I, I hope they wear this Jazz 50 throwback as much as possible. I definitely agree. And I think that I feel like a lot of Jazz fans will agree with me here that the more purple, the better. You know, I think that yeah. a lot of Jazz fans aren't a big fan of the highlighter yellow. So when you can wear purple on more nights, I think that'll be well received. And actually, I don't like the current white jersey. That's my jersey I like the least. I like the black jersey, and I like the yellow jersey. They're very bold, and they're very simple, and that's kind of how I like my clothing and uniform, and pretty simple, but but it does make a statement. Uh, the white's a little passive for me. Ironically, my favorite jazz jersey of all time is probably the white jazz note jersey, like the one that they wore in the early 90s that has the big purple note and the you know the jazz lettering and everything. Uh, but on the white home jersey. I always love that jersey. And that's the one jersey they haven't worn. They We haven't seen the white mountain jersey either. Uh, so I like the white mountain jersey. I like the white home jazz note jersey. 
those are the two throwbacks that we haven't seen, of course, other than the D-Will, Boozer, black and copper mountain jerseys either. I was about to say, one of my favorite, and I'd say one of the most underrated jazz jerseys, is the baby blue from yeah. the Darren Williams era. I like those too, but even like talking to Maddie, our boss, uh, who's been helping with our Jazz 50, we'll talk a little bit about that, where we've announced the 50 greatest players in jazz history, as voted on by the fans and media. She's been making all of the uh, the graphics that have come out with those announcements every day, and she didn't like that, because you know, we were talking about Kyle Korver, who's on this list already, who I guess you would identify him most by those jerseys, at least I do. And she says, oh, these are terrible. I like that era of basketball. So I just have an affinity for those jerseys. 100%. I totally agree with that. But less than two weeks away from the NBA preseason and jazz basketball. Next, we have a lot of updates on the Damian Lillard saga. Um, uh, as of late, a lot of new teams like the Bucks, like the Raptors, and a few others have shown interest and reached out to the Blazers about Lillard. And the Portland has sort of used this as leverage against Miami like hey we're getting more interest so maybe you should give us a better offer um but there has been another report about the Jazz potentially helping facilitate that Lillard trade being the third team maybe getting hero or whatever it else might be what do you think about that so at the moment and this could change at any second who knows because you're right I think Portland's playing the media game a little bit uh trying to get trying to up their offers it sounds like Toronto's the front runner at the moment now I don't understand how Toronto gets there, actually, and I'd have to go look at their books officially. Uh, but, like, it's Scotty Barnes, who was Rookie of the Year two years ago, and then another big contract. And my thought process would be the only big contract they would really have would be either Pascal Siakam or OG Ananobi. But if you trade Scotty Barnes and either one of those guys who are borderline all-stars or all-NBA players like Pascal, well, you're not a contender with... Damian Lillard and OG Ananobi or Damian Lillard and Pascal Siakam. Like, you need probably both of those guys. You have Pirtle. You could probably move his deal, but they don't need Pirtle in Portland, not a rebuilding team. So I, I don't get it. Do you have the salary caps? What what trade works? I don't know. Yeah, so uh, Pirtle is making just under $20 mil a year, and then you have OG Ananobi who's making about $18.5 mil a year. Um, so I would think that OG and Grady Dick would be two players that would definitely be in that trade. Yeah. Um, and then besides that, like Pascal is the biggest contract at 38 mil. Um, and then you have Gary Trent at 18 and a half as well. Gary Trent's already been in Portland. Yes. Right? <laughs> he was involved in one of those trades already, I think, at some point. So, yeah, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. The Raptors, I'm, I'm just reading from ESPN here just because I'm trying to figure it out. It says, yeah, Raptors can include a package featuring players from a roster that includes Pascal, Scotty Barnes, OG Ananobi, Grady Dick. So, all the names we mentioned. Yes. Okay, then you're not any good after you trade those guys. Like, I don't get that. Actually, I don't I, – I I like Masai Ujiri. I think he's a really good front office member. I think he's been cre- pretty creative. He landed Kawhi, and they won a title. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I don't totally understand that Toronto thing. I think he makes sense in Philly. I think he makes sense in Milwaukee. I think he makes sense in Boston. I think he makes sense in Miami. Teams that are knocking on the door to win a title can't do it, and you add a superstar who gets you there. Uh, Toronto's not knocking on the door. I don't think that Damian Lillard has that Kawhi Leonard effect. You know, I don't think that if you add if you add Damian Lillard to this team, I don't think Pascal and Dame are leading you. I mean, they'll they'll be a probably a higher seed. They'll probably be in the top six in the East. But I don't see them making a deep run just adding Lillard. Philly could win a title, but they don't have the pieces because they've given them all up in recent years to get the James Hardens of the world, and it hasn't worked. Uh, Miami kind of has some young players, has some draft picks, but not great draft picks is the problem. Milwaukee doesn't have anything because they've they've acquired Drew and they've kind of maxed themselves out. 
don't have a lot of great young talent because they're giving away two spots on their roster every year to the Antetokounmpo brothers, who aren't NBA guys, but <laughs> they make Giannis happy. And Boston is pretty strapped uh, and and has already made weird trades this offseason with Chris Stapps Porzingis. So I don't – yeah, I don't know, man. I, I don't – I, it's going to be hard to do. It's why you have to get Phoenix included with DeAndre Ayton or you have to get the Jazz included. And even then, like, I don't think the Jazz are trade. They can't trade Jordan Clarkson because they just signed him to an extension. So that couldn't happen until December, I think. Maybe it's even January. But it's, you know, that early season trade stopper, essentially. Uh, you could trade Colin Sexton, but, like, I'm not giving up a f- first-round pick and Colin Sexton for Tyler Hero. That's pretty redundant in my opinion, and then you just lose an asset in a first-round pick. Like, I'm not doing that. So unless it's I, – I saw the report that Kelly, the Jazz are not including Kelly Olenek in trade talks right now. Like, he's a backup center. Right? <laughs> if the Jazz aren't willing to give up Kelly Olenek, I don't think it would be Colin Sexton. Maybe it's Colin. Can't be Jordan. It leaves, like, Taylor Horton Tucker. And, like, you're, I don't think the Jazz are giving up either Taylor Hendricks or uh, uh, Keontae George at this point, and maybe not even Bryce Sensabaugh. We haven't seen him, but – Keontae George was the best rookie at Summer League, I thought, until he got hurt. So, yeah, the Jazz would be like, yeah, well, we'll take Tyler Hero basically for free for a protected first-round pick and a salary dump. But I don't think the Jazz are, like, feasting to go after and get a guy like Tyler Hero, even though I think he's a good player. I, I, The pendulum has swung too far on Tyler Hero being bad because he wasn't in the rotation when they made the finals. Like, Tyler Hero averages 26-5 and five and was sixth man of the year two years ago. Like, the dude's okay. The dude can play. He will be all right. Definitely. And I, I'm i really interested in what Damian Lillard will do if he is traded to a spot that's not Miami. He like he had his agent go around, supposedly, and tell all these teams that he won't play for them. He'll ask for another trade if he's traded anywhere but Miami. And But going back to the Jazz, I agree with you. I think that if they can get John Collins and Tyler Hero in the same offseason for practically nothing, yeah. that would be great. But I think that it's kind of rough when you're looking at THT and what else can you give up. And I should note that the other report that's come out is from Five Reasons Sports, which is based in Miami. Ethan Skolnick writes it. He said the Jazz were willing to include a future pick. He didn't even say first-round pick. So, like, yeah, if the Jazz are trading Taylor Horton Tucker and a second-rounder, they'll take Tyler Hero back for that. Like, I don't know if the Jazz are in love with Tyler Hero. To be honest with you, I don't know if the Jazz are in love with John Collins. But when you can buy a Porsche for $3,000, you buy it. And that's what they did. I mean, they bought a starting-level player. For pennies. And so they said, fine, we'll do that. If you could do that with Tyler Hero, I think you would you would repeat the process. But I'm not sure they're going to blow up the roster to add Tyler Hero and rebuild around him because I know I just defended him. You don't know if he's good enough to be a star on a high-level playoff team. One last thing on Damian Lillard, then we can move on. Um, just a question for you. Do you think Dame has moved before the start, the first game of the NBA season? Yes, before the first game of the NBA season, but I don't know if he's moved before training camp. And training camp starts Monday in Portland, so they're going to have a lot of awkward questions I mean, remember last year they had a lot of awkward questions with Chauncey Billups, and I guess that was two years ago when they hired him, but like all the issues they've had with, with their front office already, and they've been trying to sell the team for a long time, and Paul Allen's daughter can't get it done. It's too bad. Portland is one of the rich teams in NBA history as far as respectability, and uh, they, they've fallen on somewhat hard times, and it's it's their own doing. But since Paul Allen's died, they have not really figured out how to keep that team relevant and they need to trade Dame, and I wonder if they're just going to end up looking back and saying they mishandled this from the very beginning. Uh, we will get to some jazz over-unders coming up next. We'll talk a little bit about the participation policy, uh, get to the Jazz 50 and answer your questions. Stick around. More Jazz Notes on the Jazz Notes podcast. 
Welcome back to the Jazz Notes podcast on KSL Sports. Ben Anderson, Chandler Holt, breaking down the latest with the Utah Jazz on the verge of the NBA season kicking off next week. Regular or the preseason's already here. It's crazy, uh, but excited to have some actual games and news to talk about. Chandler, you wanted to do some jazz over-unders. What do you have? Yes, I do. I have a few categories for you, and then I'll give you a number. Just tell me over-under whether you think it'll hit or not. Uh, starting off, we'll just do overall record. Last year, the Jazz were 37-45, and 45, so I'm going to give you 39.5 wins. Will the Jazz win 40 games this year? It's a good number. Uh, I'm going to say under. Because, again, as we've done this exercise in the past of, like, which teams are the Jazz better than in the West— they're better than Houston. They're better than San Antonio. They're probably better than Portland. And then I don't know who else they're better than. So at some point in a zero-sum game where one team has to win and one team has to lose, there might not be – not everyone can win 40 – well, everyone could win 41 games technically. <laughs> but because a team's going to win 60 and a couple teams are going to win 58, a couple teams are going to win 54, there might not be 40 wins out there for the Jazz. And if you get late in the season and you're at 36 and you say, well, man – we owe our top 10 pick to OKC this year. Let's just lose a bunch of games and make sure we hold on to that pick and have one more pick in the lottery, and then we'll give it to them next season. Oh, by the way, next year, yeah, you give up the Jazz pick, but you have a pick from Cleveland, you have a pick from Minnesota. That's fine. That way you have young players continuing to come in and you have some staggered contracts. That actually works okay. So I'm going to say under because I think there's a real chance the Jazz still pull the plug the second half of the season like they did this year. I like that. I could definitely see them anywhere in that range. I'm going to take the over and just slightly. I could see them anywhere in the 40 to 42 wins area. Maybe sneak into like that 10th seed and get a postseason appearance. Because I think the Jazz do want to pay off that pick, actually. This is a bad draft. Yes. And you pay off the pick. I get that. But still, at some point, if you're saying, well, you've got the 7th pick or the, you know, or no pick and you're giving it to Oklahoma City, you're giving them a free 10th overall pick, which say what you want about the draft, it's still a trade asset. Some team is still going to come calling this offseason when you have the number 10 pick because they're going to sell themselves on somebody and say, I got to have it. I will give you Gary Trent. I will give you a good player to get that number 10 pick. It's still a bit of an asset. And you have, again, if you don't pay it off, you have three picks next year. It's a lot. Yes. So, uh, Or if you do pay it off, excuse me, you'll have three picks next year, which is probably too many. Staggering them, I think, is actually a good idea. Moving on, we're going, I'm going to give you some point totals for some Jazz players. First off, let's start with the rookie, Keontae George. Over or under 11.5 points per game this year? Over. That's what he does. He's a scorer. He's a bucket getter. He's a tough shot maker. I'm going to use all the cliches of scores in the NBA. Dude's a walking bucket. Professional scorer. That's what he does. He's a scorer. Uh, he like let, Let's pull this up really quick. What did Trey Burke average his first year in the NBA? And this is like worst case scenario for Keontae yep. George is Trey Burke. Uh, Trey's first year in the NBA, he averaged 12.8. So I think it's very realistic that's a number for him. Now, I don't think Keontae George gets 12.8 shots per game, coincidentally exactly how many points that Trey Burke averaged is, is his uh, field goal attempts. But I actually think he's going to be a more efficient scorer. I mean, Trey Burke shot 38% from the floor and 33% from three. I don't know if I'm picking him to be 50, 40, 90 year one, <laughs> but I think he can hit some shots. So... Over, would you say 11.5? Yes. He will score more than 11.5 points a game, which is really good, by the way. Yes. There's a, a talented backcourt in Utah, and Larry Markinen's going to average over 25. So if uh, if he can get up to 12, 13 points, it means he's doing something right. I agree with you. I think he will definitely hit at least that 12-point uh, threshold. Moving on to Markinen, the marksman, potentially, I would say not potentially, pretty likely another all-star appearance coming up this year for him. Last year, he averaged 25.6 points per game. Let's set it at... 
26 and a half points. 26 and a half. I'm going to take the over post all-star Lowry Markinen averaged 29.1 points per game. Like he was crazy yes. in the second half of the season. He only played 12 games, but that was post Mike Conley. He was having to do a little bit more with the ball in his hands, and he wasn't as efficient. His efficiency dropped from 51% from the floor to 45%. His three-point percentage actually dipped significantly from 41% to 31%. There's some concerning numbers there as far as his efficiency without Mike Conley, but his scoring went way up. So uh, I think his number is still going to be up. His assists actually went up a little bit, which is promising, but uh, he did not shoot the three-point shot all that well. But again, it was only over 12 games. A couple of bad outings there. When the Jazz didn't also didn't have Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton wasn't playing. Like, it wasn't just Mike. It was a little bit not having Mike, but there was not a lot of help for him as far as scores on the perimeter. And uh, I think he will have more of that consistently this year. Moving on, we have Walker Kessler. I'm not going to do points. I'm going to do rebounds for Walker Kessler. Last year, he averaged 8.4 in his rookie season. How about 9.5? Can he hit double-digit rebounds this year? Can he be a walking double-double? I think he can. I think he needs to be. Uh, we talked about rebounding a lot a couple of weeks ago. I probably bored everybody by talking about how important <laughs> rebounds are. Uh, I would love to see Walker Kessler at 11 rebounds a game. Again, his knock coming out of college was he rebounded because he was seven feet tall. He didn't rebound because he was a great rebounder. I would like to see him become a great rebounder. I don't think the Jazz have the defensive personnel to get stops before the ball goes up. But if you can force some difficult shots and then he can rebound, it means two things. One, he's improved as a rebounder, obviously. But two, he's not having to defend every ball action where someone's shooting against him because it's really hard to defend and then turn around and grab a rebound. Rudy was so good at it. Rudy Gobert was so good at contesting the most shots in the league and then also leading the league in rebounds. It's really hard to do. Uh, If Walker can improve his rebounding, it means he's, A, getting better at contesting shots and getting back and getting rebounds, but also he doesn't have to be the primary defender on every action. If he can just gather up bad misses by other teams, that would make the Jazz a lot better. It means they're finishing defensive possessions. So I'm going to take the over on 9.5. I think he does get to 10 but I think it'd be really promising if he got to 11 or 12. And honestly, considering he's going to be starting all year, he didn't start the first, whatever, 20 games of the season, 30 games of the season. We should look at Walker really quick. I can pull this up. What did he average as a starter? And what did he average post? Well, let's say post all-star break, he averaged 10.8 rebounds as a starter. He averaged 10.2. So, he should. He should definitely get over that. Very realistic then. And, and, and I think, you know, he doesn't get in foul trouble. That's what's so impressive about Walker. He does not get himself in foul trouble. So he should be on the floor. He should easily do it. One more for you. I think this is a little bit more of a fun one. Uh, the NBA announced the in-season tournament this year. The Jazz are in a group with the Suns, Lakers, Grizzlies, and Trailblazers. Um, there will be four games in basically like the group stage, quote-unquote, uh, for the in-season tournament. In that, will the Jazz win over or under one and a half games? Over. I think they're going to win two. They're not going to win four, and I don't think they're going to qualify for the Elite Eight and then the Final Four, which is going to be played in Vegas. Um, I think teams are going to take this seriously. I think Phoenix is going to be a regular season juggernaut. I think the Lakers, again, instead of my dark horse to win the title, you're getting Memphis without Jaw. So I'm going to say you beat Jaw and you beat Portland, but also you get I think you get Phoenix at home. Yes. I think you do, and I think you play at the Lakers. Maybe I have that backwards. I've written this story. I should know. Utah plays the Suns at home on November 17th, and then Lakers um, in crypto on the November 21st. And they get Portland in Salt Lake, right? Um, I think the Portland game's here. Yes. Yes, it is. And they play at Memphis. Yes, at Memphis. So that's actually not a bad break. Like, you would— you're going to win one of the Memphis-Portland games, and I think you probably have a chance to win. Well, here, here's the thing. You're going to beat Portland. 
and you will win one of the Memphis or Phoenix game here in Salt Lake, even though you're at Memphis. You will win one of those games. So, yeah, they'll get to two. I'll take the over on that. Awesome. I agree as well. I think that they'll probably win two. Maybe they could sneak out a third win. Uh, next, we can quickly touch on the NBA Board of Governors approved the player, partition, uh, the player participation policy, meaning that two stars cannot sit in the same game. Starts off with a fine, then a bigger fine, and then it gets up to a million-dollar fine for every single action after that. Laurie Markkinen is the only current Jazz man that the rule applies to. Um, it also applies to Gobert, Mitchell, and Conley. Yep. Um, and only four teams in the NBA don't have to worry about the rule at all because they have no players who meet the criteria. That's the Spurs, the Magic, the Pistons, and the Wizards. And still, the NBA is going to want to see, you know, Paulo Bancaro out there. They're going to want to see Vic, obviously. I'll be curious how much the Spurs play Vic. That's a huge question mark. Uh, they're not competing for anything this year. Yeah. But does he play 65 games? Does he play 75 games? Does he play 50 games? I have had heard that last year, even though he ended up getting hurt, that the Thunder were planning to sit Chet Holmgren in the second half of the season. I mean, they were going to rest him basically after the All-Star break, regardless, just because he'd never played 50 games. He's got that body. Vic has a very similar body, so are they going to rest him at times? They're going to be on national TV a lot, too, because mm. people want to see him. So they're going to get a lot of national TV games this year. So uh, it could apply to them. They could weirdly, I guess not get fined, but the NBA wants to make sure they just have some general discretion over this. So while it may not meet the original criteria, I think they're going to be breathing down teams next to make sure they play. Does it actually work? I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, it's really easy to say, no, man, the physician said he's hurt. He's hurt. He's got a bad <laughs> finger. He's got a bruised palm. Like, yeah, what? You know, like all these guys are hurt all the time. Their yeah. fingers really legitimately are sprained every single game. You've played basketball. You've rolled your ankle every time you play. It happens. Yes. So the guys are going to be banged up one way or another or a lingering injury from years past. I don't think it's going to be hard to get guys off the floor. Selfishly, as a fan who does, I'm a huge basketball fan. I hope we get to see the guys more because it's. A, I hate the Clippers, I, and I don't <laughs> hate the Clippers organization, but I hate that every time I tune in, I, I'm watching a lot of like Nick Stauskas or whoever <laughs> is suiting up on that roster that year. I'm just like, I didn't tune in to see this. Also, whenever you mention finger injuries, I just I get a flashback of the John Collins picture. Yeah, it's every day these these players are getting hurt in some way, whether it's an ankle or a finger or something small. So we, we understand why they have to sit, but fans also want to see the best product on the floor, and so does the NBA. And I don't know how to fix it. I wish there was an obvious solution. I don't think there's an obvious solution, but uh, they're going to do their best. And, I, you know, the, the NBA does have a lot of talent. The nice thing is even when the Stars don't play, most teams are deep enough to have at least a couple of interesting guys, uh, including good young players across the NBA. Let's talk about the Jazz Top 50 really quick. Today we announced number 20, so we're getting into the really good starters, best Jazz players ever territory. Uh, players we haven't announced yet here, we have Matt Harpring, Jeff Malone, Greg Ostertag, Bojan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, Brian Russell, Derek Favors, and Paul Millsap was the announcement today. I think that's right. I think you're getting a lot more recent players, but you know what? Joe Ingles was on a bunch of really good Jazz teams. Jordan Clarkson's the best role or bench player in jazz history and proved he could be a good starter. Brian Russell, one of the most important starters on the most important jazz teams. You know, he's probably the fourth best starter on those teams, but he made two trips to the finals and was here forever. Favors, you know, maybe miscast a little bit in his role at times and, and had the unfortunate, you know, luck of running into Rudy Gobert, who did the same things but did them better. That's hard. Paul Millsap, the jazz didn't invest in enough. Like those are some issues with the jazz specifically, but, yeah, you start getting here. Let me pull up my list. I'm not going to announce who's coming up at 19 on uh, on Wednesday. But let me look at this list of who's left. And let me see if there's anybody I would say I had any qualms with. Um, no. I mean, b there's only one player. 
There's two players on this list, and you can probably figure it out. Uh, the rest of the way who never... Oh, no, there's three players, excuse me. Three players on this list the rest of the way that never made an all-star team. Otherwise, 16 of the rest of the guys have made at least one all-star team for the Jazz. Like, that's a really good player. Yes. That's an all-time player in Jazz history. And Paul Millsap was close. He made four straight all-star games after the Jazz traded him. Probably shouldn't have traded him. Probably should have found a way to use that guy. But yeah, three players left, all really good players, just happened to not make an all-star game. I'm probably nitpicking here because it's 21 and 20, but I personally would have took Derek Favors over Paul Millsap just because I think of him more in a Jazz jersey. Paul Millsap went on and had his best years later with the Hawks and other teams. Yep. Um, and Derek Favors was good in Utah for a pretty long time. He was here for a long time. Again, a little bit miscast uh, or just in a tough role because the Jazz wanted him to be a power forward and the league shifted away from having power forwards and he was playing next to Al Jefferson and he was playing next to Rudy Gobert and had Millsap on the team. Truthfully, they should have leaned into... Favors at the five, Millsap at the four, and stuck with that. Now, look, if you had, if you ended up with Rudy Gobert and Rudy was better than both of those guys, you do that and you play him, but that's probably what they should have done. They just got a little bit uncreative with their uh, starting lineups. And that's not Favors' fault. Yes. And Favors is a good player and still lives in Utah and is a fan favorite. And uh, he hasn't officially retired yet, but as the Jazz celebrate their 50th anniversary, I hope Favors is back around. I could see him being a guy who signs a one-day contract and retires with the Jazz. I think he's that guy. I think yeah. so. I think that would make sense. There's not many people out there that I think that makes sense for with the Jazz, but he's one of them floating around the NBA still who should retire as a Jazz man. Anything else? Is that it? Uh, we can talk about Media Day real quick and then get into the mailbag. Oh, yeah. Media Day coming up on Monday. Kind of not getting traditional uh, training day or, excuse me, I should say training camp coverage because the Jazz are going to Hawaii. And... They're kind of doing it on purpose. It's a little closed off, and they can be private and have their own thing and not have all the distractions of the media. But uh, we will get media day. We'll meet the players. Uh, it'll be fun to talk to the young guys, but that's kind of only the only people we've talked to over the summer. Uh, it'll be interesting to hear what's going on with Taylor Hendricks and how he's been and you know what to expect from him. We talked a lot to Keontae George because he was the only guy at Summer League. Talked a little bit to John Collins. We've had an introductory press conference. There's not a lot of news since then, so not – not a lot of like, hey, this is our first chance to meet somebody. Whereas last year we were meeting everybody for the first time to the point where there was a mishap where half the media didn't know the difference between Leandro Balmaro and Simone Fontecchio. <laughs> and they walked in and we we're all asking him questions about his past. And we're like, which guy is this? <laughs> so anyways, RIP uh, Leandro Balmaro. Do you think that there are any questions that Jazz fans may have answered for them on media? For example, who the starting point guard will be? No. No, the Jazz oh, yeah. aren't going to reveal that. I am curious what Will Hardy's year two looks like and his confidence level going into the season on his plan. There are a couple of new coaches uh, in tow. Alex Jensen's gone. So there are a couple of couple of changes. Um, but I, I expect it to be a relatively mundane media day on Monday. And our only chance to talk to him, though, before game starts. So uh, excited for that. Moving on to the mailbag, uh, we have a question here from Glenn Anderson. Uh, do we went, end up with Tyler Hero, and what are the odds? We've already talked about this a little bit. I think when you're talking about odds with a trade that isn't even really focused on you, like you're the third team in there, I would say pretty low, maybe around 25%, 30%. Yeah, pro and probably even lower than yes. that. Uh, because here's the thing. If Tyler Hero really is being floated around, the Jazz aren't going to be the only team that wants Tyler Hero. Again, I think there are teams that are going to look at his trajectory. How many guys in the first four years of their career average 17-7, and seven, basically five rebounds and three and a half assists and are really efficient scorers, 44% from the floor, 38% from three, a pretty strong free throw shooter. In fact, he led the NBA last year at 93%, so extremely strong free throw shooter. 
and he's 23 years old and is doing the Kentucky thing that every Kentucky guard does, which is John Calipari doesn't know how to use them, and they blow up in the NBA. And there's still going to be some people out there who are saying, huh, I, I saw what happened to Devin Booker. Devin Booker stuck on de- stunk on defense his first four, five, six years in the NBA too and then turned into a pretty good wing defender. What if Tyler Hero can do something similar? So he's already good. I think he's only going to get better dealing with injuries this year. But, yeah, teams are going to want him. The Nets are going to want him. You know, the teams that could get involved are going to want to get that guy. So I get why the Jazz have interest, but they won't be the only one. In fact, you know, there's probably 15 teams that would make a legitimate offer to get Tyler Hero with an expiring contract and a first-round pick. Yes. I would think so. I could be wrong, but I would think that would be the case. Next up from Josh Roberts, is Bryce Sensiball clear to play? If not, when will he be cleared? For the first time, I saw what I thought in the background of one of the Jazz Instagram photos was Bryce Sensiball in shorts. Otherwise, he's been in pants and didn't even have the traditional shooting shirt on. Now, who knows when these photos are being taken? Are they being taken before they've been in the weight room? After? Like, I, I honestly don't know. And because it's been OTAs and kind of unofficial stuff so far... We don't have a, a, a full word on him. The Jazz haven't announced that he's been fully cleared, but again, they may just be waiting for Monday to have a little bit of positive news. Uh, but it looked promising, and his, his Instagram posts have kind of made it sound like he's close, so I bet he's not fully cleared yet, but uh, he's getting there. I do think that gives you a strong indication, though, that you're not going to see a whole lot of him. If he's coming back from a knee injury, had a knee injury in high school as well, and he only played one year of college, so it's not like he's that far removed from it, he probably... The Jazz... Might as well give him as much runway as he's as he needs to be 100% healthy. He's already a shot in the dark. He was one of the weirdest first-round draft picks in this year's draft with his scoring and kind of unique game. I, I think you give him a lot of runway. You let him go play for the Stars a bunch, and you don't expect anything out of him his rookie year. And you can have much higher expectations for both Keontae George and Taylor Hendricks. 100%. I think there's a low to no chance that he will play in the preseason. But like you said, just give him enough time in the G League or just – Give him enough time. It's not like he's the all-star on the team and you need him to come back to win some games. You know, There's there's no pressure to get him on the floor. I want to see him. I'm, I like the young guys, too. I always like watching young players. It's my favorite thing about the NBA. I love the draft, and I love seeing the young guys step up and develop into stars, and they create hope for the fan base, and that generates you know discourse and traffic and narratives, and, and that's one of the fun parts of this job, I think. So I hope to see him, and I liked him in college. I remember writing his you know draft analysis article and thinking, like, huh, there's something here. It's weird, but it, there's something here. So, uh, you know, I would like to see him on the court. I don't know how quickly it's going to happen, though. Last question, also from Josh Roberts. When will we know more about the K-Jazz stuff and the streaming service? Uh, I think as much of the K-Jazz stuff is probably out there, you know. Um, The streaming service, I bet we know by the end of the week. I I would, you know, NBA League Pass has dropped their price. It was like 160 bucks last year. I can't remember exactly what it was. I would expect the Jazz beat that price. So I would think somewhere between, like, 150 and 100 dollars. 100 seems low to me. 150 might be a little bit high in my opinion. So I would look at somewhere in that price range between there. I'm sure there's a monthly option, and then you just kind of do the math, right? Like if you're going to make a t- uh, a fan buy an eight month subscription, and it's let's say 130 dollars just off the top of my head. Well, that's what 24 dollars or something a month. I you know I'm not trying to do the math. So or no, like 18 dollars a month. Excuse me. Again, yeah, don't do math on air. Seventeen, eighteen dollars a month. So if you were to go monthly, you're going to charge a little bit more than that. So the monthly subscription is probably twenty to twenty-five, and the yearly subscription is probably yeah, one twenty to one thirty. And game to game, which I know is something they've wanted to tease, is probably the same as renting a movie on Amazon or Apple for five bucks. And like that's that math just makes a lot of sense to me because it really doesn't make sense to rent eighty-two games. 
and you're spending four hundred dollars at that point. Yeah. So at that point, it really makes sense to get a subscription. And I, I don't understand why anyone would go month to month with it unless they just don't have one hundred and forty dollars to fork out right now. So that that would be my guess: one hundred and ten to one hundred and thirty dollars for the season, twenty to thirty monthly, five six bucks per game, something like that. Thank you guys for tuning into the Jazz Notes podcast. We missed last week, but we're less than two weeks away from the NBA season, so we're only going to have more and more to talk about as we keep going. Um, check back every single Tuesday afternoon, any platform that you get your podcasts. Yep, next week we're going to have a, a full recap of Media Day for you. We'll break that down. We'll respond to it all. You can find all your jazz coverage at kslsports.com. Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Find Chandler, Chandler Holt, KSL, and read us at kslsports.com.